it's not tell me about yourself. The, the question should be actually rephrased, how can you help me? Tell me about your past and experience that can solve my problem that I'm trying to solve by hiring from like, but, but if you ask someone for a job, you will get advice. But if you ask somebody for advice, you might get a job, you might get a referral, right? So, so you want to be careful, just to your last point, you want to ask for a referral a without asking podcast. for a referral. You do have to identify. And I'm super back. I really wish that. Hey, I have some sales. My dad died when I was three, man. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Today, we have an episode for you. You know how in every single interview, you get asked the question, tell me about yourself. It's the most commonly asked question in an interview. And what I've noticed is that most people fumble on this question and it's so crucial. So to talk about this particular questions and many, many more amazing topics, I have Mukhtar Kadiri with me today. He is a career coach for project leaders. These are people who are in their backgrounds with project or program management, and he's been doing this himself, but now he also coaches people to excel in those careers. Mukhtar, welcome. How are you feeling today? How are you doing today? How is life? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm, I'm feeding off your energy. Like you have a lot of energy. So I'm, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. No, thank you uh, for coming to the podcast. I know we've connected on LinkedIn. We kind of had a couple of conversations and I'm super excited about the conversation because uh, when we're trying to figure out like, hey, what topic should we bring in the podcast or not? Uh, we came across like, it's like, you know, you know, people struggle with that question. Most commonly asked questions. So I'll kind of like put it off to you. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit, why do you think that question is always asked? And in your experience, what is the best way to answer it? Yeah, so so I I think this is the most popular question in an interview. Um, in an yep. interview, and it usually comes at the very beginning of an interview. And I think that, that one of the reasons why it's usually asked is because it's a nice way to sort of segue into the interview, right? So for the interviewer, it's a nice way to sort of warm up. But the thing is that for the interviewee, it can be a very very stressful question, right? Because how do you condense? everything about you into what two minutes three minutes so so for the interviewer it's a nice way to segue into the interview but for the interviewee it can be stressful if you don't handle it well so how i like to answer this question is that i like to answer this question with a structure right and before i get into the mm. structure i would just mention that coming into the interview you want to be aware of what are the top three pain points of the hiring manager Right. So, for example, you know, I specialize in, in, in coaching and teaching project leaders. So if I'm going in for like a senior project manager role, right, one of the top three or the top three pain points could be number one, the hiring manager is looking for someone that can manage really large, complex projects. Uh, the second could be uh, the hiring manager is looking for someone that can lead um, junior project managers. And then the third is that the hiring manager is looking for someone that can manage just really large stakeholders and a, a lot of stakeholders, basically. So, so these are my top three pain points, right? Now, whatever role you are interviewing for, you want to make sure that you, you try to understand what the top three pain points are. And you can do this by just digesting the job descriptions or speaking to people uh, in the company. So having understood the top three pain points, the way I like to answer this question, again, it's in a structure, right? And the, and the, the, the three buckets that I'm going to use is skills, experience, and the value that I bring to the table. So again, that's your skills, your experience, basically how you've used those skills and the 
the value that you bring to the table. So an example could be, um, you say, you know, tell me about yourself, Mukhtar. Well, thank you very much for having me. Whenever I get asked this question, I like to talk about myself in three different areas, my skills, my experience, and the value that I bring to the table. Now, when it comes to my skills, it is project management, team leadership, and stakeholder management, right? So when it comes to my experience, basically, how have I used my skills? I've worked in the pharmaceutical industry, the retail industry, and the oil and gas industry. I've also worked at various levels in an organization. So I've been a business analyst, a junior project manager, senior project manager, right? So that's experience. Now, when it comes to the value that I bring to the table, I can manage really large, complex projects. I did manage a $50 million project. The second value that I bring to the table is that I can manage really large teams. I did manage a team of 50 project managers. And then the third value that I bring to the table is I can manage projects with really large numbers of stakeholders. I did manage a project with about 1,000 stakeholders, right? So, so this is me in a nutshell, my skills, my experience, and the value that I bring to the table. So, you know, just getting out of character a bit, you, you, you sort of prevent yourself from rambling by using this structure. And if you notice as well, I was touching on the hiring manager's main pain points, right? There were three main pain points. And then I had three skills that corresponded to the hiring manager's pain points. And of course, when I went to the, and also when I went to the value that I bring to the table, each value corresponded to each of the pain points of the hiring manager, right? So, so when you start this way, um, you're basically number one, you're speaking exactly to the hiring manager's deep needs, right? And number two, you sort of summarize why you're the best candidate for the role, right? So everything from then on in the interview should sort of serve your pitch, right? The two-minute um, pitch that you just done about tell me about yourself. So, I mean, I, I know I spoke a lot there, but yeah. No, 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 no. This is, this is awesome. This is perfect. I love, and this is why I love bringing career coaches to the, to the podcast is because we all have our own different way of teaching, but it always comes down to the same fundamentals and understanding the reason why the question is even asked, right? And I think like some important things, like I, I actually have a, a different framework. It's a three-state framework and it's past, or sorry, present, past, and future. And, and I'll walk through that in a second, which is similar to your skills, I think is, is, is skills, experience, and value. I, I was taking notes, right? Um, and, and we can talk about it. And I think the reason why I say that is because you listening to this, all the audience that you're listening to this, you're going you're gonna to hear uh, Mokhtar's point of view. You're going to hear my point of view. You're going to see it. There's 80% of it is going to be the same. Very similar uh, on how we approach it. There's a little 20% of how we, our own little flavor, our secret recipe in a sense. And I would just say, I don't care if you use his or you use mine or you use another coach. As long as you have a framework, unless you're following a process, you're not just going out there without no strategy because that's where you're going to fail, right? Like when when, the, when, a, when a hiring manager, a recruiter, or anybody that's interviewing just says, tell me about yourself, they don't want to hear your whole 32-year history, 18-year old history, 21 years of, of your life. Like they don't, they, they don't want to hear uh, – about what happened when you were seven years old, unless it's relevant to the job that you're applying to and because it, it just taught you a lesson, right? It's, it's not that they want to hear your whole life story. And, and that's where it becomes really important and understanding like, okay, well, I have, tell me about yourself. I have 32 years of things that I can tell you. I'm 32, right? Man, I'm 33. Oh my God. Okay. I forget my age. Uh, um, 33 years of, of, of 
I, after 30, you stop counting. I actually, like, it's more about what is relevant. And I think one thing I want you guys to keep in mind is that as humans, we're selfish creatures, right? Inherently, we're always thinking about what's in it for me, what's in it for us, right? For the person that's interviewing. And as much as the interviewer wants to make sure you have a good experience, I want to, as, as much as the interviewer wants to hear about your story, in the back of their head, they're saying, how is this person can help me? So it's not tell me about yourself. The, the question should be actually rephrased, how can you help me? Tell me about your past and experience that can solve my problem that I'm trying to solve by hiring someone. Like, we just are just very, like, we just want to make it sound nice and say, hey, just tell me about yourself. No, I could care less if you are the captain of your baseball team, as unless that leadership experience has allowed you to build some good people skills that then allow you to be a good manager for my team. If not, I don't care about your baseball stories, right? Like I am selfish because people don't care about you until they realize that you care about them and you can help them. And, and, and so I want you to remember that. Um, I also talked a lot. Any thoughts on that? No, no, no. I, I think that that's the right way to, 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 um, to position it. Right. So when you hear the tell me about yourself question, it's really about, tell me about how you can help me. So I, I think that that's a really nice, um, nugget for people to take away. Right? right. Which it goes back to why your framework I think is so powerful because you're sharing your skills, your experience and your values, all you, your stories within those three frameworks, but those are all things about them. How, what skills do you possess that can help them? Right. What experiences do you possess that you've done in the past that can help them? What value do you have for them? It's all about them. And I think that's, that's the, that's what I would say that is the 80, 20 part of what we have in common is that whether you describe it the way I say, which is present, past and future, which is where are you presently? So like I, I work with a lot of students. So I'm a software engineer, senior graduating in May, 2023 at the university of central Florida, like present past is what past experiences. So same thing. I actually talk about like, identify, understanding what job you're applying for, what are the top three things they're looking for, and what past experiences do you have that are going to make you good for this job, past, and then finish. So finish with future. How are you going to, what's your future value that you're going to provide for them? So like, in fact, if you think about it, um, I have present, which is like the only thing that's different between your philosophy and my philosophy, where it's kind of like, Telling them of where they currently are. And I think you're you're naturally gonna do that in, in, in your three steps anyways. Like if you're working somewhere or I used to work at this company, you're kind of like presently talking about where you are in that instance. Your past is where you talk about your skills and your experiences all in that one line. And then your future is very similar to value, but like in in, in another way of calling it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I'm also a very, very big proponent of the rule of three. I think that just yeah. keeping things in, in, you know, just three, it just three is such a, it's such a, a very interesting number, right? If you, if you keep things mm -hmm. less than three, it feels like you haven't quite done the topic justice. And if you go beyond three, if you go above three, it feels like you're now overwhelming the, uh, the listener, right? So three is like that nice sweet spot. So, you know, even for other questions beyond tell me about yourself, I, I really recommend that people just keep things to three. Even if you, even if you can think of, like five things for example they could be like okay tell me why you want to work here right so you can mention five things but just keep it to no more than three it just keeps the interview nice succinct and it also ensures that you've done the topic justice
Yeah. And, and to add on that, like the rule of three is not just for interviewing. It's kind of how we've been programmed in life. Like if you think about what, when someone said like, hey, what's your phone number, right? I say 321-945. And then I'm not going to say my whole phone number now in life. I'm not going to say the last four. But if you see it, it's three different segments of numbers, right? And, um, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's worth, same thing. Like if you're asking, like if I had to write my social security number, is in three segments. Like it's always in three segments. So uh, it's how we as humans have learned and pro- programmed ourselves to memorize things and and to understand it. I think it's also like um, if you listen to any really good speech, like uh, like Martin Luther King, "I Have a Dream." He says, "I have a dream." Blah, blah, blah. I have a dream. I have a dream. So he says, I have a dream three times or JFK. If you listen to his speeches or Obama, if you listen to his speeches, like it's always the rule of three. Yeah. Yeah. And it's three is everywhere, right? So morning, afternoon, yeah. night, big, bigger, biggest, like, you know, so three is just, it's just everywhere. You know, oh, yeah. so I think it's, it's, um, I don't know. Yeah. There's something about that number that, that, that makes it pervasive. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about how to grow and network very fast. Like, especially if you are like, you know, minority international student, you don't have a lot of relationships or family or, or friends in, in, in the country that you're at. And you're like, and you hear like, Hey, like networking is king. You need to network. And you're like, yeah, that's great for all of you who have family and friends, but I don't, I just got here. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a big one because just like you mentioned for, you know, I've, I've lived and worked in over 20 countries. So I've been an immigrant many times over, right? So yeah, that, that's the thing. When you when you come to a new country, you don't have a network, right? But what I like to tell people is that you have a network, but you just need to find them, right? So for mm. example, um, I, I was born in Nigeria, but uh, I've lived outside Nigeria for, for a long time. Um, and you know, right now I live in Canada. So when I first came to Canada, I didn't really know anyone here, right? But there are lots of people here that share my background, right? And when I say people that share your background, it could be along several dimensions. It could be people that are from the same country as me. So there are several Nigerians that have gone through the journey that I'm about to go through. So if you find them, they are more likely to be receptive to to you because they see you or they see themselves in you, right? I hope I said that right. Yeah, they see themselves in you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one. Another dimension is people that went to the same school with you. So I went to Texas Tech University. Shout out to all the Texas Tech people out there. Yeah, so I went to Texas Tech University and there are people that went to Texas Tech in Canada, right? And it's 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 a bit rare, but if you actually find somebody that went to Texas Tech in Canada, like immediately that's something that you guys are going to bond over. That's something that you both will bond over, right? So that's also another dimension, like the school. Another dimension to connect over is maybe somebody, somebody who worked in your previous company, right? So there are people that, you know, you might not have um, coincided or your time in that company might not have coincided, but just the fact that you you work together in the company gives you something common to, to bond over, right? And, you know, other times it could be other traits, you know, for fellow minorities, it could be maybe religion, because sometimes you can go on LinkedIn and you can tell by somebody's name, what, you know, what religion they are, or it could be, you know, gender, what have you, right? So there are all these things. And, and the beautiful thing about, about these things that I just mentioned is that when you go on LinkedIn, you can actually find people with these things. Like, so for example, 
you know, I, if I go on LinkedIn and I search project manager and Nigeria, both of these in, in, in quotation marks, you would see people that are project managers and have some sort of connection to Nigeria. Of course, you can filter, you can filter it down to the location where you are at. And I kid you not, the last time I did this exercise, I, I found like about 700 people with that background, right? So, so, and the reason why that's there is because, you know, many people either went to school in Nigeria or maybe they have some sort of work experience in Nigeria. So that's on their profile. And a lot of people don't know this about LinkedIn, but that, the 700 people that are project managers in Canada, they are potential allies. Like that is my network. If I reach out to them, I'm going to get a really high percentage in terms of people responding back to me as opposed to me just randomly reaching out to people, right? You can do the same thing for school. You can do the same thing for, you know, fellow work alum, uh, alumni. Um, yeah, so, so to answer your question, how can you build your network fast? Your network already exists. You just need to get smart about finding them and reaching out to them. So the, the, what, the philosophy of searching like that on LinkedIn, that search type of status that works on, on LinkedIn, on all, like pretty much any search engine kind of like LinkedIn or even Google, it's called Boolean search. So if you're wondering how to do those, like uh, if you just Google Boolean, how to create Boolean searches where you're able to do and of, like, like you could create searches that give you very, really specific solutions. That's it. And, uh, but to, to add to what you're saying or to even, like, I agree 100%, it's like, um, the more in common you have with someone when it comes to networking, the, the, the more they're likely to, to, to help. And I love the examples you share both like in the like Nigeria side and also Texas Tech, because like, I, I think a lot about that. It's like, I'm from Colombia. I'm also an immigrant and I came to the United States. Like if, if I'm in Colombia and I'm walking down the streets of Colombia, out everyone's Colombia and that, that, that commonality doesn't work in Colombia. That commonality only works when I'm in America, right? Um, and it's like the same thing. Like, is, it, I think if you're listening to this and uh, American college football is really big in the United States, right? And Texas Tech has a good team. They have like an alumni, Patrick Mahomes, right? Came, came from Texas Tech. Um, if you're on, in Texas Tech's campus on game day and you're going to say hi to every single person that has a Texas Tech hat or shirt or some logo, you will say hi to the whole school. But if you see someone at a Starbucks wearing a Texas Tech hat, you have like permission to go say hi. Like you feel kind of like obligated to go say hi. I don't know what the, the word is for Texas Tech, but like um, I went to UCF. If I were to see a UCF person outside of Orlando, right? Cause like, the campus is in Orlando. Cause I would say hi to everyone. Let's say like I'm going to Montana for a wedding in a couple of weeks. If I see somebody wearing a UCF hat, I would be like, go night. My wife went to UF, University of Florida. She would say, go Gators, right? And it's like every common, like that common, like you have things that you know that if they were a Gator, if they were a true Gator, they would know what go Gator is and they would reply, go Gators. And it would be the easiest transition to have coffee or to have a drink or just like if you see somebody wearing the Nigerian soccer jersey or shirt on, you would automatically be like, if I wanted to strike a conversation, it would be very easy. And to your point, that works beautifully on LinkedIn. Um, and you said pretty much all the good ones, right? Like where are you from, uh, hometown, city, state, school, profession. And I would even say 
if you can't find a commonality like the ones that we have shared here, right? Second best thing is admiration. Like if you're a program manager, product manager, right? And you, maybe they're not from Nigeria. Maybe they're, 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 they didn't go to your school. You just reaching out to them and say, came across your profile. You have a job that I aspire to have in the next three to five years. Would just love to connect and learn about your journey and how you got there because one day I hope to get to where you are. Like that admiration also works. Not as good as the commonality, but I've always seen it work really good as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I, and, 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 you know, it, yeah, it has to be genuine because, you know, some, a lot of times I get this. Yeah. I'm sure you get this. You know, it's like a canned message. You can tell that they've copied and pasted and they've sent that to everyone, you know, everyone else. So, so yeah, you know, as long as it's genuine, you've taken, you know, some time to just look at the profile and, and, and you're specific with your compliment. I think that that would go a long way in terms of increasing your response rate. And um, I was going to say something else, but I forgot. But yeah, complimenting is is um, a genuine compliment, right? Goes a long way to to just bonding with a stranger. Yeah, I, you said something like like I can't like it has to be like a genuine message, and people are like, well, like you know, Daniel, like I just don't get a lot of replies, so that's why I copy and paste the message, and I just want to be efficient, and I, and, I, and so I, I I always bring it back to like when I'm talking with one of my mentees because they're like. I see their networking message. I'm like, you send the same message. All you did was change the name. You think that's enough? You think that people don't know? And like, yeah, like I don't think people will realize that this is a copy and paste message. And I go, all right. When was the last time you replied to a junk mail? Like when was the last time that you replied and said, hi, uh, dear, like junk mail, please stop messaging me. No, you unsubscribe, right? Like you, you don't reply. Why? Because like, as humans, like we're really good at like returning the favor in a sense. Like if I, if someone, if I get, cause I get emails all the time and some, I know it's copy and paste. Some are junk mail and some are like students that tell me their whole life story. And I can tell that it was made just for me. I can tell that they're like, they, they study my profile. Like I can tell they have visited my website. That one, I reply with a loom video. I take five minutes, if not more, to like really give them advice. But if, I only feel like it took you two seconds to send that email. I don't give you the respect you back. I just don't reply. And people are the same way. And I think the key is to say, for example, like um, you, you're reaching out to every uh, pr program manager at Disney. I'm using it as an example. And you're asking a very genetic question that any, any product manager at Disney can answer. The odds of them replying are very little. It's, it's, Right. And versus if you ask the question that the person that you're sending to feel like they're the only person that can answer that question. So let me actually break this down and step a little bit back. Like if a crime is committed and 10 people, so like let's say there's a robbery, we're walking down the street and this guy steals his old lady's purse. Right. And you, you look around and you see that 10 other people saw the crime happen. What happens is most people will be like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm running late to my meeting. I saw so many other people saw it. One of them will call the police. One of them will help the old lady. Like, right? Because like, like, there's so many people that saw it. Versus if you see the crime, you look around and you're the only one there. You now feel obligated to help the old lady. Like, hey, are you okay? Let's call the police. Like, you know, like, because you, no one else can help. And that same scenario also applies on the networking side. 
if your message feels like they're the only one that can reply, people will feel obligated to reply because I have never met a successful person that's been to where they are alone. Someone's helped them. Someone opened the door and they're willing to open the door back. But if the message feels like any product manager can answer that question, they're going to feel like I have a really busy day. I have a hundred plus emails on my inbox. I have to go pick up my son after school. Some other product manager will reply. It's not that they don't care. I just don't think it's a priority. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I said I, I was, I was, um, I was going to say something that I forgot, and I think this ties into what you just said. I would add that when you make an ask to a stranger, you want to keep it as low lift as possible, right? So yeah. you want to really phrase it like something that it will be very difficult to say no to. Like, can I have a ten to fifteen minute conversation? Just something like that, as opposed to, you know maybe a 45 minute conversation or just, you know, not even stating the ask clearly. So the person has to parse, what are you really looking for? But just make the ask very succinct and very, very, um, yeah, very, very low lift, so to speak. So like, I, I usually like 15 minutes, you know, kind of have 15 minutes of your time. And a lot of people can, can spare 15 minutes, right? You know, that's a really good point. And, and we had a couple other topics that we, we want to talk about. Like, I think this networking one is really going to be really helpful. So I want to kind of just take here a little bit longer. Um, I, I found some, I have a process like of going from, from stranger to a referral and it's five step process. And, um, and we're covering a lot of that process here. So kind of want to break this down. I wish it was three steps because I think the rule of three is perfect. But, uh, in this scenario, I'll walk you through. So step number one is find commonality. So we've talked about a lot about that right now, right? The more you have in common, the more likely they are to apply. Uh, step number two, and this is networking to get the interview, not in the interview, right? So for everybody listening, just understand. So step, like, this could be used in networking on LinkedIn. Step number two is make the first conversation about them, right? And that goes back to people are selfish, right? And make the question, like, ask, like I understand that, like going back to the Disney example, you want to learn what a day or a week in the life of a product manager at Disney does. But don't ask, hey, what is a day uh, as a product manager in Disney does? Because that's super general. Another product manager can answer it. Make it about them, their journey, their specific, find commonality, attach it to them. Make it feel like they are the only ones qualified to do that. Like, so like an example could be like, hey, I noticed that you worked at Amazon two years before you went to Disney. How was that transition from, you know, Working at you know Amazon, which was maybe more retail oriented, to seeing now that I, I see that you're working more on the apps at Disney because you did your research, that type of specification and making it about them is going to increase your reply rate. So th that's going to increase your reply rate. So that step two, make it about them. Step number three is opening the feedback loop. So this is where you start making the conversation from about them to about you. At the end of the first conversation. What you want to do is ask for a small piece of advice that would take them less than 30 seconds to give you, but it takes you at least 30 minutes to a couple of hours to execute. When I am asking mentors where I am in my career, in my life now, I ask for book recommendations. So let's say I find a really successful business person that I want to learn from, and let's say that he's very good at marketing. And so I would say, I would make it commonality. I would make it about them. And then I would say, hey, Mukhtar, so great talking to you. What book do you recommend if I am looking to increase my conversion rate on my website, right? As an example, that's, I'm asking you for a book recommendation, a podcast, uh, 
a course, a certification, right? Something that's very little time of you from you. Let's say you recommend a book, I go and read it, right? What I am doing now is that I am proving to the person that I am networking with, one, that I value them enough to execute their advice, right? Because it's not a lack, people don't, people love to help people. They just don't think, like they don't want to waste their time. They value their time so much. So if I can go back to you, right, and say, hey, Mukhtar, thank you so much for that book. Here's what I learned. Here's how I've executed it. Here's how it's helped my business. Now, if I ask you for 15, 30 minutes of your time, you're a lot more likely to say yes, right? Because you're like, yeah, Daniel's not going to waste my time. So in fact, actually what I do at that point, once like, so what I encourage my clients to do is I ask them to say, ask for some sort of recommendation. What podcast, what uh, trade magazine, what, um, you know, what YouTube channel, what certification I should learn based on the type of job that I'm trying to get. Something related to that, right? What book? Then once I give them that, I give them, I, I close the feedback loop by then I, by letting them know that I executed their advice and here's how I'm doing it. The fourth step is I ask for a resume review. So going back to the Disney example, I would be like, "Hey Mukhtar, after speaking to you and learning about your experience at Disney, um, I came actually came across a role, product manager uh, that I think I'll be a good fit for. But I know how competitive Disney is. Before I go ahead and apply." Do you mind reviewing my resume, right? And because I've already asked for advice and executed it, by 90% of the time, they say yes to my mentees. Like, sure, I'll review your resume. Get your feedback. Make the changes that you suggested. You know more about Disney than any career coach can tell you unless they also work at Disney because every, every company has different – every company, every department, every role has a little different criteria or what they're looking for, right? And then I would – Fix my resume based on your suggestions. Send it to you and say, hey, just want to let you know I made the changes. I feel super confident about my resume. Now, before I go ahead and apply, step number five, how do you ask for the referral without asking for the referral, right? It's like, Mukhtar, thank you so much. Before I go ahead and apply, I know how competitive Disney is. What advice do you have for me to get my application visibility? All I am looking for is the opportunity to interview for this role. And the right reason why that, that, that phrase, that flow works so well is because first, you're not forcing them to give you a referral. And two, you've already shown them that you're a man of your word or a woman of your word, right? And second, they've already seen your resume and approved it and give them their stamp of approval. So now they're a lot more confident to either refer to you, send you to their manager, send your resume to HR, or if they are the hiring manager, interviewing you. And so, um, that, that process, we've, we've been doing that process for over five years with our clients. And, um, for every five people that you message from the company, one of them turns into a conversation. It's what we've, we've seen as long as they're active on LinkedIn, that's, that's, that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. And with that process, as you progress, you're building credibility and you're buying mm -hmm. goodwill. So, so I really like that. And, um, and it just reminded me of, of something of, of a, a quote I read somewhere. Uh, I'm going to butcher the quote, but if you ask someone for a job, you will get advice. But if you ask somebody for advice, you might get a job or you might get a referral, right? So, so you want to be careful. Just to your last point, you want to ask for a referral without asking for a referral. You know? Yes, and I think that's why asking for visibility is is so good because, like, 
there's some people like you're gonna if you if you've networked enough on LinkedIn, you're gonna realize that there's some people who will literally reply to your first message to be like, "Hey Daniel," and this is literally I was yesterday I had office hours and I, I saw hey like one of my students I'm just using me as an example is hey Daniel or hey student. Let's get to the point. I know what you want. You're looking for a referral. Here's my link. Have a great day. Right? And and so I told my, my mentee to reply. I'm like, hey, I appreciate the link. I would definitely use it. But I generally still want to get to know you. Like, I still was very, like, what I said above, I still meant. So do you mind if I still ask you a couple of questions? And so the guy was like, wait, seriously? And actually led, like, to a more deeper conversation. Uh, because he was so used to people just hitting, he works at like a top tech company. So he was just so used to people hitting him up. And so he was sharing the message and, and we were talking about it. And he goes like, yeah, like people don't mind like sharing referrals because most companies reward referrals. Like like what, what job seekers don't understand is like, if I, when I worked at PepsiCo, when I refer someone into PepsiCo and they got a job and they stay there for over 90 days, I would make $1,500 bonus. Um, and that's kind of what led to me to recruiting is because I was having, I was making so much money from referrals, like over like, I was referring over 10,000 or 10, 10 people a year. So I was making like over $10,000 a year just on referral bonuses. It's why like I got into recruiting. I was like, oh, I'll make some extra money. Um, but there's other people on the other spectrum that are super protective about their image and they're not going to just refer to you because if you go and do really bad, like imagine if I referred you and you went to the interview and cursed out the manager. I, that's a reflection of the person that referred you. And so um, you also have people on the other spectrum. So yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It's like, if you ask people for advice, that can lead to a job. Because if you ask people for a job, like that, that leads to advice. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, 100%. Um, I, <laughs> I was just thinking, you know how you, you you said you had the one person that just said, you know, here's my link. I don't know. It feels like you've sent all your clients to that person too. <laughs> That's No, I don't. I don't. I, we actually, no, no, no. I think it's like the guy was, it's one, it's one of those individuals who creates content on LinkedIn. So like he just drives traffic to his page. And so, like, I just think he just, like, had, like, a standard copy and paste message. Um, and he probably makes a ton of money on referrals. Like, he probably, like, like, is creating content, now that I think about this further, like, he's probably creating content to generate those inbox messages, probably has his little sister copy and paste the referral link, and, like, he's probably making, like, $50,000 a year doing this and paying his little sister, like, $20,000 a year and, like, making bank uh, I don't know. It's a hypothesis. So, but Mukta, I, I do have a question as we wrap it up. Um, I would love to learn what, you know, what, why, why career coaching for you? Like, you know, you, your experience is more on the technical side, pro product program management side, and now like working with PMs and now you're like mixing both PM experience and now helping PMs uh, get jobs. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I've always loved teaching and I, even when I was, you know, because I've, I've worked in various industries and I will, I will, you know, maybe train people on our technology and I just really enjoyed it. And I think that that showed in my work. Uh, so I would always be putting 
positions where I would have to interact with clients, train them and all of that. So that has sort of stuck with me. Um, so even on the side, like sometimes I, I would guest lecture at the university, etc. And if, at one point in time, I tried to just ignore this, you know, to focus on more mm -hmm. technical stuff, as you mentioned. But yeah, it just kept on calling me, right? I guess that's why they call it a call-in. Um, yeah, so I, I really, it brings me a, a great sense of fulfillment and and it's something that I've been told that I'm good at, right? So so yeah, I mean, why not? You know, that that's sort of why I do it. It, it, you know, it gives me great joy. Plus, I I have the skills to, to make a difference in people's careers. Love it. Um, if you can, as we wrap it up, I know we're kind of over the time here. Tell us a little bit more about kind of like the services that you provide, who's the people that you really work with, and how can they reach out to you if they want to learn more about you and your services? Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for that. So I, I am a career coach for project leaders, and that includes project coordinators, project managers, program managers, or the leaders of those people that I just mentioned. So it, it, that's my 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 focus, and um, and yeah, anything career it could be landing your next role, or maybe dealing with a challenge in your particular role, or you know trying to get to the next level. So that's sort of what I what I focus on, and I'm very active on LinkedIn, right? So you know you can usually find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can send me a message, connect with me. I try my best to answer questions. Um, so, but you know if you don't hear back from me feel free to send me a reminder and I will do my best to, to respond. Perfect. So um, I would say uh, we're going to definitely put all those links, your LinkedIn uh, links on the, on our show notes. So anybody want to connect and want to learn more about your services, we can go for there. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed it, like, subscribe, and definitely follow Mukhtar on LinkedIn and follow me on LinkedIn. You guys are amazing. Catch you guys in the next episode.